Welcome back, everybody, to Crime on Tap. Oh my god, good morning, Tabbers. Good morning, happy Monday. Oh my god, this episode is going to feel like such a throwback to our older days. Season one is upon us. Oh, I know, last Monday, we were like teasing you guys, like, oh, be on the lookout for Friday, like, totally different episode. Like, we were insinuating for this episode to be up Friday until Florida Woman Friday came along. So, here it is. Yeah, so we just made you wait in anticipation just a little bit longer. Right. We are just so creative around here these days. Like, the industry can't keep up with us. And that's why we don't have 50 unique listeners. It's because we're so unique. Right. That is just too unique. Too unique, unique. Yeah. and people just don't get it yet. Like, wait until fucking twenty thirty. They're <laughs> gonna be like, "Wow, they were ahead of our ahead of our time." Yeah, they're we were sleeping on. So, guys, get over to our Instagram right now. Give us a follow. Tell your family and friends about us. Get in on the community before it's too late. And you can also listen to us on all major platforms so that's not even yeah. an excuse okay so it's spotify it's apple yeah and three other ones okay breaker breaker 49er we appreciate you guys so much for supporting us our podcast we only like i listen to so many podcasts and there's probably like 15 minutes of ads that play in these podcasts we love you guys so much and we don't care about the money here on crime on tap that we only give you one ad in the middle of our episodes that last 30 seconds. We are so considerate. And it's also the same ad, the same sponsor, so that you guys aren't bogged down with new information. Yeah, we know it can be a lot. Yeah, so really, it's for y'all's benefit. I'm like low-key getting and like a little bit excited about it. Like, we haven't done this format in a very long time since season one like i'm having like casey anthony flashbacks chris watts flashbacks like i spent like the last few days like researching finding evidence like about this one case (laughs) yeah so so we're throwing it back to when we put in more effort just kidding (laughs) i don't know if that's true because we put in a lot of effort nowadays i know what we we're posting twice a week guys so it's like Mm mm-hmm it's like a lot like you know you think of your nine to five but like that and a podcast so like we're making a lot of soccer making sense like we do it for you so we also need to have a little drinky drinky while we do this for you Mm -hmm. so megan let's get into the pour before the classique the pour before the one (laughs) (laughs) yes so I'm still finishing my bottle of wine. I actually just brought it over to the windowsill. I don't know if you saw. I just brought it over here. With oh my God, me. Josh. Yeah, because I'm gonna need this today. You know, we're throwing it back to our roots, and I need the whole bottle tonight to get through this episode. It's gonna be so in depth. I need this bottle with me right now to give my best opinions on what's going on here. So I got my bottle of Josh. Oh, it's actually a Pinot Noir, Ooh. and. It's so, so good. Like, I love it. I love a good red wine. I'm definitely becoming a red wine girly. Oh, my God. It's because you're getting older. (gasps) Oh, my God. Is that true? Like, I'm enjoying my taste buds or, like, is that, like, a thing? Like, my taste buds are getting older? 
I feel like, yeah, when we get older, like our taste buds change. Yeah, maybe they don't taste as good as they used to. Yeah, like we we can palate the more woodsy stuff. Right. It's not like, just like white dessert wine anymore, you know. I know. Like honestly, <laughs> I'm not even into that anymore cuz the I just I don't like the next day after drinking like a fruity sweet wine. It's too much. I don't know, it just hurts me more. And it's this, just like your teeth are caked in sugar like Yeah, and then like a red wine is like my eyes are like the perfect amount of squint. Like <laughs> it feels so good. Divine. Yeah. yeah. Wake up and I'm like, mm, you know, I feel refreshed after drinking red wine. So I love it. I'm getting old. So what are you drinking? So I got my classic polar. Oh my god. It's like four episodes in a row for you. I know. I gotta get some alky. I don't have any alky in the house because I drank it all. <laughs> I know. I thought we're like getting into summer here and we're getting a little like summer drinks going. Oh my god, yeah, then we can post like a fun cocktail, like a summer cocktail with yes. like, a summer cocktail. You know what? That polar would probably be really good with some vodka or something. Oh yeah, didn't we talk about this? And I still yeah. haven't done it yet. Like a splash, like a little shot of vodka and like an ice cube and like a little sprig of mint or something. Like, yum. Okay, so that'll be my drink for next week, folks, <gasps> okay? Oh, I might have to try it with you. Get I need to get a orange vanilla oh my god i'm gonna surprise you all with an orange vanilla moment oh my god you're taking <laughs> oh my god okay so i just need to say this so at the vet they also got me to buy this um anxiety diffuser and what? it doesn't smell like anything to humans but it's supposed to smell like stuff to the cats to calm them and that's a scam you no. got scammed okay but they keep going over and smelling it you got scammed okay it's for their mental health okay (laughs) you're you're already spending ten thousand dollars over their (laughs) lifetime and now you're helping their mental health yes i want to be happy next like we're gonna have to start scheduling the podcast recording times around your kitty's therapy sessions next (laughs) <laughs> yep <laughs> mine and the cats <laughs> it's just your mommy daughter time yeah wow i mean i can't believe you really got sucked into that mlm like that <laughs> <laughs> like uh essential oils they actually put essential oils oh, <laughs> oh my god i thought you were what's that what's that one essential oils um oh um ritual ritual um doTERRA oh was that one? Oh, um clean not clean living it's oh, that crazy guy no it's clean living oh my god ritual is like the uh is that the vitamin subscription or something oh yeah she also told me to get them vitamins oh my god this vet <laughs> young living young living that's what it is yep, yeah that crazy old guy yeah young living for kitties mm-hmm. coming to oh. a mlm near you yeah so it um I have to refill it. The thing lasts a month, and they said you don't really see improvement until three months. So I have to buy two more. <laughs> Wait, what? What is it? Explain it to me and the listeners. It's just like a diffuser, so it's just like a plug. You know, like a Glad plug-in. That's like what it is. Wait, but what's like the thing? The thing? The cartridge you got to refill. It's it's the oil. It's the the calming cat oil. And you. 
can't smell it. No, but apparently the cats can. Okay. <laughs> it's like carbon monoxide. Cats. Yeah, watch it poison us. <laughs> the cats are living, but Nick and I are dead. And they sell this little Glade plug-in at your vet? Yeah. I wonder what outside sales guy came in there and sold that to the fucking vet. <laughs> you know? Like, how well, how do they get their hands on this thing? And they're trying to get rid of them to any anybody who would buy one. Well, because they're preying on my sense of wanting to protect and love my children is really what it is. Can you just run me through how this conversation went down with you and the vet? Well, I said, I was like, well, one of, like, what are your concerns? I said, well, one of the things is that, you know, they're just very high anxiety cats because of their past trauma. And I just want to make sure that it's not, you know, affecting their quality of life is what I said. So I I really, I presented it to her. I walked right into it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so she's like, oh, well, and then um, she said, oh, you can put them on gabapentin. And I'm like, I don't want to drug up my animals <laughs> like, like can daily we do some, yeah can we do some just like you know natural remedies or whatever so right so she was like i have the perfect thing yeah you're gonna love it which, <laughs> i can't smell it was but... she like hang on a second i gotta go grab it <laughs> no they had it ready at the register for me <laughs> of course they did <laughs> <laughs> um well that's so exciting megan you're gonna have to keep us updated on the progress of your kitty's mental health yes and (laughs) And my wallet (laughs) and your wallet then when's the next time you get to buy a refill can you get on like amazon or something yeah she said that you could buy them cheaper at PetSmart. i'm i cannot wait for us to report on this mlm scam one day yeah see in three months i'll let you guys know if they're still (laughs) running and screaming and doing all the nervous cat stuff yeah oh my god all right well keep us up to i don't know how how did we get on this topic i forgot what we were talking about oh no well it's because i interrupted because i just saw her smelling it that's why oh okay let's (gasps) shift it into gear because the hot topic is here (laughs) (laughs) i thought we have to like change that up on the on the spot every time i know i so much for consistency i know all right, so we are here and half queer and <laughs> doing a good old classic season one throwback. Megan, you brought up this case. Is there a reason why? Do you like enjoy this case? Like, what's going on? Why did you want to do DB Cooper? Well, I feel like he's a classic, one. Mm-hmm. And two, um, Nick and I recently watched the movie without a paddle oh, have you seen fuck that you. i was gonna bring that up later <laughs> so that was why i was like oh yeah that's right we should do an episode on that so that's what it was we were just like trying to find something to watch a couple of weeks ago yeah and i was like i haven't seen this since i was a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> when it like first came out so it's definitely it's like funny but in like a stupid way like it's definitely not like you know oscar worthy it's just like a fun wait who's you know, in it again Seth Green. Seth Green, that's who it is. Matthew Lillard and Dane Shepard. All I remember from my childhood, I think this is when I knew I was like a little gay, is that scene of them like all huddled together when they're naked and they're like trying to like get warm. You remember that? Yes. That, yeah, I remember that preview on TV. I was like, oh and my you're God. Like, I gotta watch that. A bare ass. Like, I have to go to the theaters. 
But, like, I think even when I saw that movie back in the day, like, I didn't even put two and two together who the fuck D.B. Cooper Cooper was. I keep saying Cooper. Cooper. But this man, a little foreshadowing to my opinion at the end, this man, air quotes, um, is very interesting. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, it's uh, been mystery still to this day. Mm-hmm. So I can go over... A little bit of the overview. Yes. Let's do a quickie little overview because it's, you know, everyone talks about this. I think the most entertaining thing that we can contribute is our opinions. Right. Because this has been done a lot. Right. So we'll just go quickie, quickie. Mm -hmm. Um, So this happened on November 24th, 1971. A nondescript man. Wait, hold on. Isn't it crazy? This happened on Thanksgiving eve so in 1971 thanksgiving was on the 25th was it i don't know the thanksgiving the day of thanksgiving changes every year wait i thought i read that this was like the day before thanksgiving i mean it's totally possible it's the last thursday of the month it's a little odd all right continue he approached the counter of northwest orient airlines in portland oregon he bought a one-way ticket to seattle washington um, he was in his mid forties, had like a business suit tie, a briefcase, um, got a bourbon and soda mm. and was just like sitting, waiting. Um, um wait, mm-hmm. do you know the brand of his tie? Oh my God. It is JC Penny. Yes! Oh my God. <laughs> JC Penny was thriving in the seventies. Because they u- later use the tie for like DNA and stuff, mm-hmm. so that's why. And it was I a clip-on. That. He's a little bitch. <laughs> I, well, he clearly needed to steal the money if, he's, <laughs> if his his like nice attire is from JC Penney, right? So yeah. And oh wait. So another f- fun fact: his ticket was only eighteen dollars. Oh my god! Is that crazy? What a, t- what a time to be alive! The day before Thanksgiving, <laughs> in your fucking ticket is $18 and the and it's really short notice <laughs> and the plane was like there's like 35 people on this Boeing airplane this huge airplane and only 30 something people on it it would have been nice to live in the 70s where everything was just chill, more chill I know yeah. yeah like you could just walk up to the counter and say hi my name's Dan Cooper I like to fly on this plane today <laughs> and not have to give like- anything else <laughs> Like, sure, nondescript man. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, continue. So, oh, also for wondering where DB came from, the press created that to, like, make it, like, sound cooler. Yeah. Like, Dan Cooper's boring, but DB Cooper is, like, more mysterious. Oh, well, I heard that DB came from a one reporter who overheard um, police talking about it, and he heard DB instead of Dan. And then he reported D.B. Cooper, and then that's how it kind of took off. Oh, well, mm, I mean, same thing. either way, the press, it was started by the press. Okay. Um, also, did you know about the comic book? Like, I'm so, I'm, I'm remembering things as we go here. There was a comic book in, like, Australia called Dan Cooper. No, I don't know about this. Okay, so there was a comic book in uh, Belgium called Dan Cooper. And it's a comic series about a fictional Canadian military flying ace and rocket ship pilot. The comic series were conceived in 1954 um, in 
Yeah. So it's a French magazine in Belgium or something. And it is about a flying ace of pilot. And his name's Dan Cooper. Like, is that a Kowinky Dinky or, or Whitey? So Dan Cooper, it, it was turned out to be like a fake name that he gave them. So maybe it was like he loved that comic. That's what and I'm like, thinking. Yeah. And was like, oh, yeah, my name's Dan Cooper. <laughs> wink, wink. I have one of the conspiracies at the end, I think, involves the comic. So I think we'll get into it a little bit later, too. Okay, sounds good. Um, so the flight is in the air, and a little bit after 3 o'clock, he hands the stu- a stewardess a note saying that he has a bomb in his briefcase and for her to sit down next to him. Yeah. Um, so he opens it and shows her what's inside, <laughs> and it's a bunch of wires and red-colored sticks. And <laughs> He's like, look um, at my big bomb. I'm going to blow this and- bitch up. The way the FBI um, website describes it makes me think, do they even think it was really a bomb or did he like make something that looked like a bomb? Right. Yeah. Like it seems like too superficial to be a real bomb. Right. Or, or like, was he like, is it like when you go rob a place and you have like, I have a gun in my pocket. It's really just like a finger gun that you're making, you know? Yeah. Um, I also heard when he slipped the flight attendant, the note. She didn't even like open it or read it at first because I guess that was common back in the day for like flight attendants to be like hit on or like trying to get their numbers. Oh, so yeah. So she like just slipped it in her pocket and he was like, no, you're going to want to read that note because I have a bomb in my briefcase. And then she read it. <laughs> oh, and she's like, oh, shit. She's like, oh, shit. And I guess on the note, it just was demanding her to come sit next to him um, because he's got a bomb in his briefcase. Right, and so because he wanted her to write down his demands, right, which was for four parachutes and two hundred thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills, mm-hmm. which to now now would amount to like one point two million dollars. Oh my god, I, I had that number here too. We both did our, our research. Oh my god, I tried. <laughs> so they he made them stop at Reno in Reno to like fill up and get the money. And um, then he was like, okay, take, let's redirect course to Mexico City. Right. So when they landed, he um, exchanged the money in the parachutes for 36 of the passengers, but kept some of the crew members with him. Yep. I mean, so it was could, just like him and a bunch of them. <laughs> could you imagine, like, and oh, to preface, like, everybody else on the plane didn't even know what the fuck was going on they had no idea that the plane was getting hijacked or anything but like could you imagine being a flight attendant and having to like stay on the plane and you know it's getting hijacked and he has a bomb like i would be shitting bricks well yeah i read that they tried to like keep it from the other passengers so the other passengers like hey can i get a magazine can i get a drink and right they're like we're trying to keep you alive like can you <laughs> like well because apparently they were sending the demands to get the money and everything. And weren't they like, they're printing the money, trying to get all the money together and having serial numbers on the dollar bills or whatever. So they could trace it later on. So the, the pilots were just circling. This is like a 30 minute flight and they were circling in the air for like two hours. And all the flight, the passengers were like, what's going on? This is like a 30 minute flight. And we've been circling this airport for two hours. And apparently they were saying, conditions were bad and they had to get rid of some of the fuel 
So when they landed, it was safer and they, less of a probability of catching on fire or something. Yeah, old plane. Yeah. Oh, and also I misspoke. They landed in Seattle to get the. Um, oh yes. To exchange the crew members in the. It was like Tacoma something. I don't know airport something like that. Um. So the when the plane took off again is when he said, "Okay, go to Mexico City," um, and now the report is somewhere between Seattle and Reno after 8 p.m. D.B. Cooper jumped out of the back of the plane with a parachute and the ransom money. Yeah. And the pilots then landed safely, but Cooper disappeared into the night and the rest, the rest is a mystery. Isn't that nuts? And, um, so the FBI, um, was they set up a whole task force called the Norjack and O R J A K for Northwest hijacking interviewed hundreds of people gathered a bunch of evidence. One, one of which is the tie. Yep. And, um, by five years later, they had considered more than 800 suspects <laughs> and all but two dozen of them were eliminated for consideration so they had so many suspects yeah well i heard like all of the suspects they ever were like most probable all had like amazing alibis they always they all had like one guy was like being accused for years and had so many people calling in being like it's him it's him it's him it's got to be him he's like an ex-air force veteran or something cargo plane and he had parachuting experience and he was like, um, it can't be me because at the time of this happening, I was working with the FBI on another case about parachuting or something. So it's like, Oh, I wasn't that Richard Floyd. McCoy? Yes. Like, isn't that incredible? Like that his, his alibi was the FBI. <laughs> so they're like, Oh yeah. But, but still people like who follow the case still, are still like yeah it could be him but like he was ruled out because of his alibi and also he didn't match the descriptions right. um and which that's like one of my things you know the only description we have of this man is coming from a very select few people the the pilots the co-pilots the um and the two or three flight attendants that's really it so the sketches that we have of this man are coming from a very limited amount of people. Well, yeah, because all the passengers, they didn't really know, so they probably weren't paying attention right. to what he looked like. And when then There's just some white guy in his mid-40s. Literally every white guy in his mid-40s looks the And same. he's mediocre looking, yeah. And, yeah. It, and when they <laughs> landed landed on the tarmac, they um, he demanded that all the windows be shut. Um, nobody was coming on the plane. He demanded that the flight attendants go out to receive the money from the FBI agents waiting there to give him the bag of money. So, like, no one ever entered the plane. He never left the plane. Nobody could see him because the windows were shut. So nobody ever had eyes on him besides the people on the plane. And I'll leave it at that for now. And (laughs) and human... um memory and perception can be finicky you right know? when you're going through that level of trauma like your mm-hmm. your perception and how you're like handling and viewing things can be um 
what's the word skewed Skewed, yes oh and also so he asked for four parachutes but he only he took one and used one and so they were thinking that he was planning on like taking like hostages with him or something but that never happened i wonder if like if things he was just preparing like in case like things happened things went awry but yeah um also i wanted to mention that this plane the boeing 727 was the first plane that was had a built-in staircase so the staircase i had to look it up because it was there's like a name it's like the arc staircase or something i don't remember what it was called but the staircase was in the middle of the plane and it went from you know like a big cargo military plane you know how like the you like mm-hmm. unload from like the middle down. The stairs literally came from the back middle of the plane down, and that's how everybody exited the plane. So that's what he jumped off of. He had that staircase from the middle of the plane down, and that's where he jumped from. Isn't that crazy? Like, don't you think? I thought like like there was a thing called like pressure in the cabin or something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't just be yeah. opening the fucking windows at, like, 10,000 feet in the air, you know? I don't know how that works. Wouldn't, like, the wind be, like, sucking you out? I don't get it. I know. That's what, I, that's what I've always heard. If you open a window, everything just sucks yeah. out. Yeah. Like, I've seen snakes on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Yes. Oh my god, that was a terrifying movie as a kid. Oh yeah, I hate. Oh, I hate snakes. <laughs> I still hate snakes. Um. All right, where do we go from next, or from here? Oh, so one one thing, one theory is that Cooper didn't survive the jump because in 1980, a young boy found a rotting package full of twenty dollar bills. It was five thousand eight hundred in all that matched the serial numbers that you talked about previously. Mm-hmm. But that was debunked actually only a couple of years ago because um, the state of the bills was that it looks like it what had been they had been buried, then unburied, and then put in the water. Right. So it was like it had moved. It didn't just like fall out of the plane. It was there when the kid found it. What nine years later? So, yeah. um, just like by the the flora and fauna or whatever that was growing on the cache that it had moved several locations. So, okay. Well, I heard, I heard through the little grapevine that the river that the money was found in was dredged. Um, how many years prior, six years before the money was found, that river was dredged. And I had to look up what dredging was because like, Yes. What gay 27-year-old knows what dredging a river means? Um, it's when they scrape the bottom of the river to take off all the debris and shit that's down there. And they're saying when they did the dredging, nothing was found. They found no money, no nothing. So there's also a conspiracy saying that the dredging company did all the dredging and they found all the money and that D.B. Cooper actually died in the jump and the dredging company found the rest of the money but missed the select few bills that were found in the eighties by the, that one kid. So, Oh, inter- so there's many different ways. To yeah. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there was also a, um, a professor 
who did research and said that if the money fell from the plane and if that was the physical location of where the boy found it, it is impossible because if that money fell at that point in time, the money would have been packed seven feet under the ground in a certain type of sediment. And how the money was found by the boy was not in those conditions. So they're saying Mm -hmm. that the money was not in the original drop zone of where D.B. Cooper originally fell from, and it was moved in some, like, capacity, which I thought was so interesting. Like, I would have, I would not even think of that, you know, figuring out the type of sediment that the money would have been in if it fell at a certain time period. I don't know. And that's what scientists. I'm like, that's why he's a professor (laughs) and I'm a podcaster. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was one of the conspiracies. So do you want to do more conspiracies or talk about the letters? Let's do. Let's just do all the conspiracies. Oh, no. Let's do the letters because I got opinions on these conspiracies. Okay. So the next something I didn't know that I didn't know about until we researched it is that there were six. Um, at least six typed handwritten or made like using ransom style. So like cutting out of a magazine (laughs) um, that he wrote to several newspapers claiming to be um, BD Cooper and the FBI considered most of them hoaxes, but they actually kept the last two letters from the public for a long time, which think maybe they kept those more seriously. Wait, wasn't it until like twenties, like, it was like until the 2000s. I think it was like 2014. Yeah, like, so what is that? Like, freaking 40 years? Yeah. That's crazy. All right, continue. So the first one was written um, to the Reno Evening Gazette, sent from Oakdale, California, received on November 29th. Remember, the hijacking happened on the 24th, so this was five days yeah. later. And it was cut and paste letters that read, attention, thanks for the hospitality, was in a rut. He's so funny. Oh my god, what did like, you think you? Like, you know, going through <laughs> it, you know, I just had to hijack this plane real quick. Thanks for the right. money. Thanks for the bourbon and um, soda. Um. <laughs> Which I read, he paid for the bourbon and soda. Like, you know, he pays his bills. Yeah. Well, I mean, he got it before the hijacking, so it would be suspicious, but he's like, oh, I'm not going to pay for this because I'm just going to hijack it later. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> um, so the second letter was handwritten and signed D.B. Cooper, um, was postmarked November 30th, and was sent to the Vancouver province in British Columbia, Canada. So this is only one and... day later. Yes. So he must have sent them in, like, succession, if this was him that even yeah. sent them. Um, the composite drawing on page three, as suspected by the FBI, does not represent the truth. I enjoyed the Grey Cup game and leaving Vancouver. Thanks for the hospitality. He, I mean, okay, if this was two different people writing these, and they both said hospitality, you know, that's odd. But it, Yeah, was that like a saying in the 70s? Right, <laughs> but it makes it seem like this was the same person, at least. Whether it was DB or a different right. person. And at first I thought it was odd that he was sending it to Vancouver. But I guess that makes sense because Vancouver is like right above Seattle, basically. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so here's the third letter. It was mailed in Northern Oregon on December 1st, um, received by the Portland Oreg- Oregonian. <laughs> Is that paper. what they call themselves? I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Oregon and then IAM. So or or Oregonian, <laughs> maybe? Wow. Oh, and this one was used uh, was used in cut letters from Playboy magazine. Oh my god! And it said, "Am alive and doing well in hometown." P.O. The system that beats the system. Ooh, he's getting kind of deep there with his words. Yeah, he's like, "I'm making a political stance." <laughs> he is. Um, okay, and then letter number four received by the Reno Evening Gazette again was mailed on December first. It was pasted with letters again and said plan ahead for retirement income and was signed db cooper he is a he is like (laughs) the next Susie orman (laughs) why why Susie orman because he's concerned about his retirement financials yeah (laughs) it's like gotta set up my retirement fund with this money i mean that's one way to quick start it maybe i should take some some uh some notes our next episode will be ST Bismet. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, okay, so these last two are the letters that the FBI hid. And I think they're um, like the most like the last four were like jokey jokey, but the next two are like deep, like paragraphs here. Yeah, like he's like hypothesizing or um philosophizing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this next one is the fifth letter. Um, and this was postmarked December 11th. It was sent to multiple ones. So it was sent to the New York Times, Seattle Times, Los Angeles Times, and the Washington Post. I mean, he's going, he's going big. Yeah. So this time he was like, I'm sending it to the big papers, not the Portland Oregonian. (laughs) Right. So this one says, sirs, I knew from the start that I wouldn't be caught. I didn't rob Northwest Orient because I thought it would be romantic, heroic, or any of the other euphemisms that seem to attach seem to attach to situations of high risk. I'm no modern day Robin Hood. Unfortunately, I do have only 14 months to live. My life has been one of hate, turmoil, hunger, and more hate. This seemed to be the fastest and most profitable way to gain a few fast grains of peace of mind. I don't blame people for hating me for what I've done, nor do I blame anybody for wanting me to be caught and punished, though this can never happen. Here are some, not all, of the things working against the authorities. I'm not a boasting man. I left no fingerprints. I wore a toupee. I wore putty makeup. They could add or subtract from the composite a hundred times and not come up with an accurate description, and we both know it. I've come and gone on several airline flights already, and I'm not holed up in some obscure backwoods town. Neither am I a sociopathic killer. As a matter of fact, I've never even received a speeding ticket. Thank you for your attention. Okay, that one doesn't even sound like the last four. I know. You know, that's too deep, too complex. Um, and so then here's the sixth letter. It was mailed March 28th, 1972. Um, came from Jacksonville, Florida. And this one was to Portland, Oregonian again. Oh my God, that poor news station. Signed, A Rich Man. And it says, this letter is to 
let you know I'm not dead, but really alive and just back from the Bahamas. So your silly little troopers up there cannot stop looking <laughs> up there can stop looking for me. That is just how dumb the government is. I like your articles about me, but you can stop them now. DB Cooper is not real. I had to do something with the expensive uncle taught me. Oh, experience. I had to do something with the experience <laughs> uncle taught me. So here I am a very rich man. Uncle gave me too much of it. Gave too much of it to world idiots and no work for me. I had to do it to relieve myself of frustration. I want out of the system and saw a way through good old unk. <laughs> now you know. I am going around the world and they will never find me because I'm smarter than the system's lackey cops and lame duck leaders. Now it is uncle's turn to weep and pay one of its own some cash for a change. I'm thinking he's talking about Uncle Sam. Yeah, right? I think so. And please tell the lackey cops D.B. Cooper is not my real name. And so they were able, the FBI was able to crack the last two. And apparently it, they cracked the code and it said, I'm Lieutenant Robert W. Rackshaw. And I want, uh, I want out of the system and saw a way by hijacking one jet plane. But that was later proven not the guy. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Like... Again, they had great alibis. You know, but I really respect D.B. Cooper. He's like, I'm not going to play your capitalist game. I'm going to take the money, live the life I want, and y'all can go fuck yourselves. Right. <laughs> like, I was thinking about that driving home today. I was like, we are still paying that money that the government just printed and gave to him. <laughs> you know, like, our tax money is paying for it. Mm -hmm. Like, the, if it's that easy just to get the government to print you money on the fucking spot and just to give it to you and then never see it again what the fuck i know they put those serial numbers i'm sure he used the money but they never okay yeah all the articles are like they printed it with these serial numbers so they could track it and know when he used it like how like is there a ding 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 when he fucking uses cash to buy his eggs no <laughs> You know, like, there's no cameras. He can go to the grocery store and buy something with the money. I know, it's not like you scan the money. Right. How was, how were the, how was the FBI in the 70s going to be alerted that he used cash if they can't do that today? <laughs> that is a very good point. I don't... So that when it washed up on the shore, they could find it? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> right? I don't know. It, once you use it once, it's going to be passing through so many hands... That there's going to be no DNA samples on it. You know, I don't know. I'm confused. Like, is he paying the FBI directly with the money that they gave him? I don't understand how they're tracking and tracing this money. They weren't, clearly, because they never caught him. <laughs> right. But, like, there's been no other signs of the money besides the money that washed up on shore. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in the river, yeah. I think by this time, like, there would be, like, things on the news, like, watch out for these serial numbers on this dollar bill. You know, it's not like the cashiers are, like, typing in the serial numbers or writing them down before they take the money. Like, I don't understand how they're tracking it. I just don't understand any of these articles saying they're tracing the money. Because they clearly weren't. <laughs> you know? You can launder that money real quick and get away with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There wasn't ring doorbells in the seventies to catch him, right? <laughs> no cell phone, no cell phone 
tower pings either. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So how about we get into a little bit of the conspiracy theories? My favorite part of the of the whole um, D.B. Cooper saga. Um, so we talked about the one already about the ransom money and how the boy found it and how it's been kind of like proven that where the boy found it wasn't where the money originally had fallen from. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the first ones that I wanted to talk about was how D.B. Cooper was suspected to be an ex-CIA agent. Um, and the conspiracy is simply just that he was a rogue ex-CIA agent who went a little crazy and he um, worked in the military as well, dropping cargo from the 727s in the military. Um, And that's where he got his experience in understanding how to jump out of planes, how to, like, the mechanisms behind dropping the stairs in the middle of the sky like still complex and like it's still a thing to me where i'm like how is that even possible mm-hmm. apparently the cia and the government all knew that db cooper was involved with them and when this happened they did everything in their power to cover it up and to not allow the american people to even know that this happened that it was somebody from their um organization that could do this because if that word got out then the American people would lose trust in the CIA, you know, right. as little as we do trust them today, especially the FBI. Like, do we even trust their asses? No. Um, but yeah, it seemed like it was a whole cover up scheme. The CIA was in on it. They were trying to cover it up. They, you know, say they did all this stuff to try to catch him, trace the money or whatever, but really it was just a whole cover up scheme. And, they were in on it with him. It makes sense how he'd be like, he would even think to wear a toupee and like putty makeup to like look undercover, you know? <laughs> right. Like it does kind of make sense because like, I mean, to this day, if this actually did happen, he did a fucking hell of a job because we have yet to be able to understand who he was or how he did it exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, so it he, makes sense it would be a cover-up. Right. He had to have at least some of the skills that he probably would have learned being in that organization, working on these cargo ships. You know, he had to have some experience in jumping out of planes, even know what type of parachute to use. Because he was demanding non-military um, parachutes because he knew that these military parachutes opened automatically. He wanted parachutes that came from... Um, like you go to like an airfield and you jump for fun because he knew there was more like freedom and being able to let go of the parachute when he wanted, like he knew how these things worked. So he had to be in on this whole scheme in some way previously, you know? Yeah. And an average Joe isn't going to survive a fall like that or right. even know what to do or even attempt it probably. Right. Which I do believe that, like, they did a lot of, like, investigating into people who did have experience jumping out of planes, who did have ex-military experience, you know, jumping out of cargo ships and dealing with all that shit, you know? Because, like, they're not going to come after us. Like, how are we even going to have a sense or inkling of knowledge to know how to do any of this? 
Right, exactly. <laughs> so he had to have had some kind of knowledge in this industry, understanding of planes, the, especially the Boeing 727s. Um, but yeah, that's one of the conspiracies that everybody was in on it, the government, the CIA, everybody. And it's one of them that I think is promising, but it's not my number one contender. Okay. Um, the next one we have here is from a man by the name of Larry Carr. I forget who he was, but he has generated this entire conspiracy behind um, D.B. Cooper not even surviving the jump. Um, he believes that he did serve in the Air Force and was um, he is the one who says that he was interested in the Dan Cooper um, comic books. And he was like an idolizing him and these comic books and wanted to recreate them in real life um now he does say that db cooper most likely had experience working on cargo planes in which that gave him experience in knowing how to jump out of the plane and knowing how they worked and everything um and also in working on these cargo planes he would have worn um emergency parachutes so he kind of also knew how those worked or knew how to jump out of planes. Um, and uh, oh, they're also saying, or he, Larry was also saying how in the 70s, there was apparently a downturn in the economy. And this could have potentially have led to D.B. Cooper, Cooper losing his job and becoming a disgruntled employee and wanting to get back at the government. So he set up this entire thing because he lost his job to get a little money back from the government that he lost or whatever. Yeah. And then, and being like in being desperate for money. Right. And then that's where he claims that he couldn't even survive the jump because all of these conditions in the air, the weather jumping from this distance, there's all these like things that he went deeper into where he said it is possible but it would have been very painful um, and where he landed in the middle of the night in the, basically the woods they're saying he landed in. It's very unlikely that he would have survived. So there's that one as well, which I do also believe, you know how you were saying like the money could have washed up in this river. And that is kind of giving people proof that like um, he survived the jump but it could also mean that he didn't survive the jump. You know, that money right. could have been swept away in the water somehow. And then the rest of the money is with him somewhere else in the, in the ocean or in the river. I don't know, you know, so there's two ways to look at it every, with every conspiracy. Do you have any thoughts on that one? Do you think he's alive? Do you think he survived the jump? Well, I feel like if he didn't wouldn't his body just like be, like in the woods like i feel like someone would have found the body i think so too but i think that leads me into the next conspiracy of this <gasps> not if db cooper being a facade he's not even a real person he's not even a human he's a little ghosty ghost and he is not even um um a real person basically like it never happened. Like it never or... happened. And this is my strongest conspiracy. And this is the one that I fully believe. Um, the conspiracy is basically that he was made up. And the pilots 
the pilots and the flight attendants were all in on it. It was a crew to suck some money out of the government. Um, and I think I kind of like insinuated my opinions earlier on the episode in that the only people to see Cooper were the passengers, the flight attendants, and the pilots. Nobody else even saw this man in the flesh. What about when he bought the ticket? True. (laughs) (laughs) But there, you know, there's no cameras. There's no nothing. There's only that one person who wrote the ticket for him. And that ticket could be fake. They could have made up, you know, how were they claiming maybe the person who was at the ticket counter was in on it with them on the plane? You know, they can just, the ticket, did you see the ticket stub? It's like they typed it. They like wrote his name in the pencil. <laughs> like that's how they did it. Uh, how official is it? You know, everybody could have been in on it to give the same characteristics of the man to make the same sketch. You know, to create this whole thing to get the money out of the government to like split the money up or whatever. So there's no evidence. Well, I know there of- is a um, flight attendant. Um, that is in the work working with the documentaryist, um, about opening up about her story. Um, is it Florence or Tina? Tina Mucklow. Well, Tina can go fuck herself because she wants to be Florence and she's not. Oh yeah, I definitely got the air from the article that was like, well, yeah, I wasn't the girl that like sat with him, but like we were like really close, and like <laughs> he like went to me for all his needs, like. I was like, yeah, I wasn't the one who sat next to him, but like, it was like me, like we were like really close. <laughs> right. Like I, I definitely got that feeling from the article. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Florence was like p- filling Tina in on the tea. Like I'm sitting next to this man. He's got a big bomb. He's trying to show me in his briefcase. Like you want to come join? Yeah. Yeah. So I think Tina is like feeling a little jealous. <laughs> Mm-hmm. well yeah well she's trying to capitalize on it but the article was in january of 2021 and i have not seen that film so um where is it netflix come on you're losing yeah, subscribers by the minute yeah <laughs> um it's because it's too expensive <laughs> so the only evidence we have ever received from db cooper is the jc penny time and mm. leftover cigarette butts that he left because i guess he was chain smoking on the plane like, isn't that just bizarre how they were smoking on planes back in the day? Oh my god, I know. Like, that's just now crazy. You, now if you do it, it's, like, illegal and you'll be arrested by a fire marshal and shit. <laughs> right. Um, so, again, there has been no other evidence. The only people to have ever identify what this man even looks like in the flesh are the people that were on the plane. Nobody on mm, land ever even knew what he looked like. So all these sketches that were being put around onto news stations are coming from a very select few people who could have been in on the scheme. And then all of a sudden they show up in Reno and they're like, oopsie, I don't know where he went. Like I, I didn't see, he must've jumped. Like, I don't know. Like he's just not here anymore. Crazy. And maybe they pocketed the money and they dropped out, you know, a little few dollars here and there for the $800 to be eventually washed up on sea and, you know, to be like, oh, well, you know, to like be like, oh, the money washed up on the land. There's some of it. 
But like, I don't know what the rest of it is. It's in our pockets, Florence and Tina. <laughs> Florence and Tina. <laughs> That's how why she has enough to uh, make a movie, right? But I don't know. And to go this long, and to not have, and like, it's just this is too crazy to not even not find this guy. I don't know. It's so popular too. It's not like it's some obscure thing that no one's like talking or hearing about. People are still talking about it today. Right. And I guess when the they say when he jumped out, he forced the flight attendants to go into the cockpit. And when he put down the ladder or whatever, they got a ding ding saying that the ladder or whatever was open or the stairs. And so they even the flight attendants say they never saw him jump out. They never saw him leave or do anything. So it's like, you know, they could are they just making up this entire thing? Did this really happen? Because maybe he like hid under the seat, so when they finally landed, he just like snuck out. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> because they never found the parachute he used. Like, is he carrying that parachute with him in the woods? Mm-hmm. They never found the bomb. They never found anything else other than the money that washed up on, on land. Or on sea or whatever. He learned it from Uncle. Uncle. Uncle Sam. Oh, I also have that, like, once the crew members eventually found out that the the money that they got or received was being traced by the FBI, they just, like, got rid of it. They never used it. They were like, oh, we can't use it. We don't want to get caught. Let's just make up this whole thing. And while they were in the air into Reno, like, traveling to Reno, they had all this time in the air to come up with a game plan you know mm-hmm. fbi never even knew there's a man on the plane they got all the cash onto the plane and by the time they landed in reno they had all this time to like come up with a solid plan that everybody was going to be in cahoots on and to be like oh yeah like the stairs were open and he jumped off we don't know where he went i don't know <laughs> well it's like all that and they didn't even end up using the money like right I feel like there must have been something that they were able to do to. Yeah. So I think it was Florence and Tina. I think they were also in on it. Wait, when? Um, but I think that's one of the strongest one because there's been no DNA. There's been no finger. Like, how does he get on this plane and not leave fingerprints? How were there no fingerprints mm-hmm. on the cup he was holding to drink his bourbon and soda? Well, and I never even occurred to me, but now that you're saying it, that definitely is, like, the most interesting, like, oh my god, twisty twist term. Right. That's, like, actually plausible and not just, like, it was a reptilian man or something. <laughs> um, well, they were they did say that they had DNA evidence on the cigarette butts, but um, it's never been linked to anybody. Not even the Ancestry.com database. That's, like, they don't even gotten a DB relative. That's what I was going to say. Like, 23andMe. Like, and also, like, what did you think family members would be like, hey, my uncle's missing. I haven't seen him in fucking 50 years. <laughs> you know, like, no yeah. family members were like, where's Uncle Billy at Thanksgiving? You know, mm-hmm. he's ex-military and he used to, he was a paratrooper in the war or something. And like not, none of that has happened. And don't you think that would happen? Like, do you really believe yeah. that he was just a single man who had no family and was a loner in life? And I don't know. 
wasn't there one guy that was like he was on his deathbed and said and said to his grandkids it was me i was db cooper or something yeah. but then they later like debunked well, it. it there were so many people that came out and be like i'm db cooper i'm db cooper and, like it's hard to even believe like if is anybody actually telling the truth these days mm-hmm. well if he was in the his 40s in the 70s how old would he be now oh my god in the 70s okay so he would be so he'd be like in his 80s or 90s yeah. now and if he's not dead yet then he's got a little bit more some more years to be on his deathbed to really give us a scoop here well and now that money two hundred thousand dollars that ain't shit anymore i know right it's nothing (laughs) so he ain't a rich man no more (laughs) So that's that conspiracy. And then the final conspiracy we have here is um, a little funny, jokey, jokey one. I don't think it's true, but it's just a funny, funny one um, that Joe Biden is D.B. Cooper. <laughs> the same as um, Ted Cruz being the Zodiac killer. <laughs> like, it's not true. All right. So this one goes back to 1971. So apparently in 1971, Mr. Joe Biden wanted to run for Senate in Delaware. However, he wasn't old enough. But he would be old enough in 1972 to be able to run for Senate. So the conspiracy goes, in order to run for Senate in 1972, he needed funds. And apparently he had no money in 1972, and his entire family was helping him run his campaign. And by the end of 1972, he was running against this really prominent Republican senator in Delaware. Apparently, he was a really popular guy. And, like, Joe Biden's chances of winning were very slim. And by the end of Mm -hmm. 1972, it is said that Joe Biden had raised over $300,000 for his campaign in his first year running for senator. So, they're saying that Joe is D.B. Cooper because in 1971... Joe Biden got $200,000 he stole from the hijacking and put it towards his campaign in 1972. Okay, but where was he (laughs) November 24th, 1971? I don't know about that for certain, but I think he stole the money to fund his campaign. Yeah, I, I mean, that's clear cut. That's pretty clear. And there's composite sketches because we love to talk about the sketches um, Mm -hmm. of D.B. Cooper in 1971 looks almost identical to Joe Biden in 1971. And there's been composite sketches of D.B. Cooper through the years and how he would look today. And it looks just like Joe Biden. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Really? We'll have to, we'll have to put that on the Insta. Yeah. I'll have to send it to you. Oh, I do have it here. I'll send it to you quick on Facebook and you can like do a live commentation. Okay. So on the left, you see um, the sketch of D.B. Cooper from 1972. And Joe Biden's on the, like, the bottom left. And you can see him look almost identical to D.B. Cooper. And then the image on the right, you can see D.B. Cooper today. And then also Joe Biden's dying face today. I'm sorry. I don't see it. I'm so sorry. Wait, are you kidding me? Okay. Young 1974 Joe Biden and D.B. Cooper look very oh, similar. oh okay all right i guess i could i guess i could see that yes and then and then the composite okay now i'm seeing i mean i right. guess but i don't know they can clearly just make the composite sketch of how he would look today 
mimic features that look like Joe Biden today, you know? But how he was he in his mid forties in the seventies? I think so. Damn, he's old. And the image below is James Biden and it's Joe's brother. And those kind of do look similar. Oh my god, maybe it's his brother. I know. Could you imagine? It was a scheme to fund his campaign because his brother was working on his campaign in the 70s. Oh, I like um, someone's comment is D.B. Cooper is definitely Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <laughs> that I can that I can get That's behind. the last conspiracy. It's Tommy. He's an eternal being. <laughs> but, all right, so Megan, out of all the conspiracies we talked about today, what is your strongest one? What are you feeling is the most um, accurate for how you think D.B. Cooper pulled this off? I... I like you, maybe because you spent the most time on it, but I definitely um, could see myself buying the one where he didn't exist and yeah. it was like the crew and stuff. I I don't know. It's just like, it's been too many years, too many people suspected of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, were, was the FBI, did they have him in the room and he just lied and got away with it? Or have they actually just never found him, you know? Or either that one or he was like a member of the CIA and they were like, oh, we got your back. Like you did some shit, but we don't want to look bad. Yeah. So they, it was a cover. And I guess in the early 70s, so. that's something that like they didn't want to, you know, have yeah. portrayed to the American people. Yeah. So I, I could see either of those yeah. two. Because I don't think today, if this happened today, I don't think the government would be able to cover it up as good as they could have in the 70s. Yeah, there's just cell phones right. and ring doorbells, <laughs> yeah. ping towers. Right. Like just there's too much going on. So well, I'm glad we're in agreement here on our conspiracies. We both, I think, at the end of the day, think it was a hoax and we think the pilot and the crew got away with two hundred thousand dollars. I'm like on the fence, like fifty fifty that one mm-hmm. or the government cover up. So I I'm, I have to say 50-50 okay. for me. Well, I'm fully... I fully believe it didn't even happen. Okay. Well, that is the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting, so... But, oh my god, Megan, I think we're done! Oh my god, that was so much fun to go with a little throwback and have a little classic moment. D.B. Cooper, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, so if you could follow us on Instagram at Crime on Tap Pod, <laughs> uh, keep up with the latest yeah. um, Crime on Tap news. We really try to update it every time we mm-hmm. post, but it's like, whatever. Um, DM us questions, comments, concerns, and leave five-star review. Be sure to listen on Apple, Spotify, Breaker Breaker 49er, and Podbeanie. <laughs> and anything else, Shawnee? Um, happy Monday, everybody. We'll see you on Friday with probably another regular season two episode. So have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you guys on Friday. And we'll see you guys next time. Where crime is always on top. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the cast. <laughs> <laughs>